Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in Frank, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Somebody's unmuted. Press star one to mute your phone, please. Today is Tuesday, January 1st, 2019, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Still unmuted, I think. Today we are reading from the big book. There's some rustling going on. And we are at the beginning of the doctor's opinion on page XXV. We will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph, which begins with We of Alcoholics Anonymous, as well as Dr. Silkworth's entire first letter, concluding with page XXVI on page XXVI with Very Truly Yours, William D. Silkworth, M.D., Today's readers are Laura A. with the 12 Steps, Elaine H. with the 12 Traditions, Devorah S. with the text, and Sally P. with our closing on page 164. Vinny T. is our backup reader. Jody E.Q. will greet our newcomers. Leah M. handles announcements. And Carmela G. will be our second hour host. The share IDs for yesterday, Monday, December 31st, 2018's meetings are 12360, that's 12360 for 7 a.m. Eastern Time, and 12362, that's 12362 for 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You, Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Laura A. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. This is Laura A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New Hampshire. The 12 steps. One. We admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 
8 made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9 made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10 continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11 saw through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contest with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service. I pass. Thanks. <clears throat> Thanks, Laura A. I will now ask Elaine H. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning, this is Elaine H. from Dallas. The 12 traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Excuse me. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation... Its policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, films, radio, and other forms of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Elaine H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the big book, uh, let's see, we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. I have a correction. I had said that Leah would be handling announcements today, but it's not Leah, it's Maura Z. 
Today we resume our study of the big book at the beginning of the doctor's opinion on page XXV. We will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph, which begins with We of Alcoholics Anonymous, as well as Dr. Silkworth's entire first letter concluding on page XXVI with Very Truly Yours, William D. Silkworth, M.D. I will now... Excuse me. I will now ask Devorah S. to go ahead and read that for us. Thank you, Rebecca, and thank you, everyone online that makes this possible. My name is Devorah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. We of Alcoholics Anonymous believe, I'm sorry, the doctor's opinion. We of Alcoholics Anonymous believe that the reader will be interested in the medical estimate of the plan of recovery described in this book. Convincing testimony must surely come from medical men who have had experience with the sufferings of our members and have witnessed our return to health. A well-known doctor, chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction gave Alcoholics Anonymous this letter to whom it may concern. I have specialized in the treatment of alcoholism for many years. In late 1934, I attended a patient who, though he had been a competent businessman of good earning capacity, was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. In the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery. As part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conceptions to other alcoholics, oppressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. This has become the basis of a rapidly growing fellowship of these men and their families. This man and over 100 appear, others appear to have recovered. I personally know scores of cases who were of this type with whom other methods had failed completely. These facts appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary possibilities of rapid growth inherent in this group. They may mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism. These men may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, M.D. Wow, this is very, very powerful. And it's honestly, it's very, very um, meaningful for me, these pages. Uh, I came home last night very late. I was with my friend who was one of us, um, one of my best friends here in my, in my area. She's my neighbor, she's a friend. And um, she died from this disease last night. And, um, and she didn't want to hear what I do. We were eating buddies together for many, many years until I got into this program. So she knew what I was, she, you know, I stopped eating with her. So, of course, she knew what I was doing. And then she saw the transformation. And, um, and she was not interested. I tried. I spoke to her a little bit. You know, she asked me, what are you doing? But she didn't want to hear about it. She wasn't ready yet. And uh, it started a month ago, the decline with her body. She was over 600 pounds, this person. 
and she fell in her house. She couldn't get up to call anyone. She had to crawl along the walls of her bedroom to get to the near to get to her telephone. And infection set in, and she developed a very bad case of of, of infection. And that was it. And and she couldn't fight it anymore. And when I went to visit her in the hospital on Thursday, she said to me, Deborah, just go out, just clean up my refrigerator, please. Just throw everything out. I don't want to come home to rotten food. That was her request for me. And, you know, it's so heartbreaking. Her parents, her elderly parents, had, to, had came in yesterday for the funeral. And she left behind family and grandchildren and a young and a husband. And she didn't want to hear about this. She didn't want to hear this doctor's opinion from me. And she didn't want to know from my lifestyle what I do today um, because she just wasn't ready. She didn't want to give it up. She had it. And I get it. I totally get it because I was there too. And all I can say is, you know, but for the grace of God, go I, that I'm here today, that I show up today, that I was with her in the hospital and I had no, uh, I, I, it was not even a thought in my head to pick up the bags or the boxes or anything that was laying around the hospital. It was not about that. Um, and, and, and what can I say? You know, this doctor who came and gave his opinion He's a medical expert. You know, I wish every doctor would put forth their this, their opinion like this to all their to, to their patients, because you know, doctors don't do that. The doctors don't come forward and say what this is all about. They don't talk about the cunning, baffling, and powerful disease that we have, the debilitating disease, the disease that takes that robs years from us, and um, you know. They don't have the solution. You know, they talk about an easier for us away. And that's what her husband said to me. Her husband said to me, you know, I'm hoping that this will give her the, the, the you know, before the crisis really set in yesterday. She, he said, I'm really hoping that this is going to give her the, the, um, the motive to have the surgery and, and then she'll be okay. And, um, and, you know, and that was their big hope that she'll finally agree to, 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 um, to do it because she had so much suffering until now. And, you know, she do, couldn't even get, she could, didn't even have that choice. It didn't even let her because the disease took over. And, um, you know, what can I say to watch someone um, over the years, how the disease just just takes over. Um, it's, 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 it's so, so sad and painful. And, um, you know, I, you know, it talks about here that in the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas that he commenced to present his conventions to other alcoholics. You know, that's what we need to do. We, we pass it on to all other people. And, of course, I'm thinking, maybe I didn't do enough of it. Maybe I should have, would have, could have. But, you know, she saw what I was doing for, for 20 years, and she, you know, I, I, there was nothing I could have done. I, I tried, I, you know, she was in my home, she, whatever, you know, I, I couldn't, I, I didn't know. And I presented the idea of phone meetings to her at one point and she wasn't interested and, you know, God bless her. And I know that today, you know, I'm, I, I can just, you know, be grateful and live in the solution and pray for her and her family. And, um, just really grateful that we have this book that continues to 
to pave the way for so many people out there who want it. You know, this is a program for people who want it, and uh, and I still want this thing, and I'm going to hold on to it, and and um, and live another day. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Devorah S. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, who would like to share on these page and a quarter that Devorah just read? Harlan G. Kim G. Harlan G. And I heard well, Larry K. Barbara. And I just heard Charles H. Kim Barbara. I heard Kim G. And Vasa O. And Melissa C. Why don't we stop there? Go ahead, Harlan G. Thank you very much, Rebecca. And thank you to Barbara team, uh, e. Tuesday. Sorry? Go ahead, Harlan. Thank you, thank you to sorry. Team Tuesday for so making sorry. this meeting possible. Um, as I take a look at this, this is the cornerstone of everything that we're going to build on. And it did not just come about as the result of thin air for centuries for 3,000 years going back to Solomon in the the Old Testament. Solomon wrote in the Old Testament in the book of Solomon that he believed that alcoholism was an illness, but he couldn't prove it and he had no remedy for it. In the 1640s in England, there was a Dr. Trotter. Dr. Trotter believed and published a paper in where he believed that alcoholism was an illness, but he couldn't prove it and he had no remedy for it. One of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, a man who was to become the first Surgeon General of the United States, appointed by George Washington. In 1790, Dr. Benjamin Rush published a paper in which he believed alcoholism was an illness, but he couldn't prove it and he had no remedy for it. Quickly, we have Bill Wilson going into the town's hospital in April of 33, April of 34, and December of 34. And we have a doctor who is celebrating a non-medical remedy for an illness of alcoholism. And it says here that he was hopeless, meaning he was out of ideas. It says here also that he acquired some ideas uh, between hospitalization two and hospitalization three. What were those ideas? Those ideas were the Oxford group, a spiritual non-medical remedy for his hopeless alcoholism. Now, I want to touch on something here very quickly because I know others are going to touch on other things that I wish I had the time for. We see on page XXVI, it says, very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, M.D., When I walk into a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous or I dial in here, I am here on the shoulders of giants because Dr. Silkworth gave Bill this, but he said to him, don't you dare put my name in there. And for the first 10 printings of the first edition, it says blank, blank, MD, because the medical Associate, the American Medical Association, American Psychiatric Association, did not accept alcoholism as an illness until Harry Tebow's paper of 1949. And in the 11th printing of the first edition, Dr. Silkworth said, okay, Bill, you can put my name in there now. And that's why we see it today. Silkworth died in 51, two years later. 
but he is the little doctor who loves drunks. He remains to this day our great medical benefactor. None of the information in this chapter could be proven scientifically at the time, but it has been proven over and over and over again by universities and hospitals since this time. And the information in here is the foundation of everything we're going to build on. And the depth at which I accept the doctor's opinion will mark the urgency that I will work the rest of the steps. And I don't have any more time. With that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. Larry K. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. Good to hear you. Um, you know, I'll pick up from there. Um, you know, for the other thing too with this, this what's interesting to me is this um, this doctor Silkworth. He um, he attended Princeton University, um, and and he um, was a um, his field was was neurology. There was a you know psychiatry was a new field at the time. So there was some, you know, some basis of, of, you know, that that part of it as well. But but it was primarily neurology, and he had kind of a flair for working with, with alcoholics. Um, and I, I do believe this program is divine in nature. When he was in medical school, he became interested in alcoholics, and when he got out of medical school, he learned it was it was difficult. It was very difficult to work with this alcoholic population. Most doctors do not like to work with alcoholics because an alcoholic will not tell you the truth. And that's certainly true with compulsive overeaters, isn't it? You know, these doctors say that they will not do what, they, that what we are suggesting that they do. And Dr. Silkworth, in order to make a living, he had to go into to another field. Uh, he lost everything in the stock market crash in 1929, and, um, including his job. He worked for um, a, a um, hospital in, in, in Manhattan, and Charlie Towns gave him a job for $30 a week in room and board, and he, you know, to work with, with alcoholics, and he started around 1930, and he, crucially, what he, he described the powerlessness as an obsession of the mind that compels one to drink. I'm compelled to eat, and I have this allergy of the body we'll learn about that condemns one to die because I'm biologically mandated to crave more. And it was an endless loop of hopelessness. And as Harlan said, you know, no one could really wrap their brain around it up until this point because this, this mental obsession gave way to the physical allergy and it was a hopeless loop. And, and he said that the real problem of the alcoholic is not the allergy that sets up the craving. That, that's problematic. Silkworth said that the real problem of the alcoholic is that they cannot keep from drinking. He said that people who are heavy drinkers or people who are moderate drinkers, if they want to quit, well, they just quit. It's, it's, not, it's not a problem. But it seems that the alcoholic, after they quit, their mind begins to play tricks on them and they begin to think about one or two drinks and how it makes them feel. I begin to think about one or two bites and how it makes me feel. And he said the idea becomes so powerful that it overcomes the idea that they can't drink. And they take a drink. And they end up drunk. And he said, now, if you can't drink safely and you can't keep from drinking, then you're powerless over alcohol. And that's what Bill Wilson began to take that information from there. 
And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Thanks, Larry K. Charles H. Thank you very much for your service, Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. I want to drill down, <clears throat> and I know a lot of people say this, and it sounds corny, but this paragraph, in the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas. This, this, is, this is the program. So, um, so an old-timer told me back in the day, if, and I, I never listen because I'm hard here, hard of hearing. It says, if I draw, he said, if I draw a line from hopeless to recovered, that's all I got to do. So what what is it? So so um, <clears throat> there's some literature that's conflicting with this paragraph because um, some of the literature says um, it might have been his fourth treatment when he acquired the certain ideas. But you know what? There's literature out there. We got we got the websites. You can go take a look for yourself. So it says he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery. It was a it was a possible means of recovery because it wasn't proven and. It never happened, right? Because his boy, Ebby, gave that, those ideas that he acquired from the Oxford group. And, it said, and, 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 and this is Dr. Silkworth looking back and seeing this, right? Because um, he, he never seen it, right? So it's like as part, of his, as part of Bill's rehabilitation. So Ebby is, is, is saying this to Bill because these are the ideas that he got from the Oxford group. He said, as, once you get well, you need to start, commence right away. Don't be waiting, right? Commence to present his conception to other alcoholics, impressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. This has become the basis of a rapidly growing fellowship of these men and their families. This man and over 100 others appear to have recovered. I wonder if the fellowship stopped or the program stopped growing because we're not um, going back to the basis of a rapidly growing fellowship. If we stop... Um, taking the instructions in this text right here, in this specific paragraph that I'm that I'm drilling down on, then the the, the basis of recovery is going to stop growing, right? And we're not going to get the we're not going to get the promises um, that the second uh, forward told us. Fifty percent got recovered right away, and and another um, whatever seventy five percent, you know, recovered. It ain't seventy five percent now because we're not doing this. We too busy. Um, you know, we got jobs, we got this, we got that, but without this we wouldn't have nothing. This draw a line from hopeless to recovered. I don't care how recovered you think you are, there's some area that you ain't telling somebody else about. Because I'm telling you the truth because I'm dishonest no matter how recovered I think I am. There's more work to be done. And you could you could this could be your next Monday, even though it's Tuesday and it's January first. This could be your new year. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Charles H. Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. And, you know, this chapter, you know, after 17 years in OA, experiencing only temporary respites, this chapter saved my life. You know, for 17 years in OA, we often started our meetings with, are there any other compulsive readers here besides myself? And I would raise my hand. But I realized after reading this chapter, what I was raising my hand to was, I'm fat and I don't want to be fat anymore, or I'm no longer fat and I'm terrified of getting fat again. So these words that jump out at me are, 
the alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. We're going to see words in this book like a chronic alcoholic, alcoholic of our type, as seriously alcoholic as we were, hopeless variety. You know, Dr. Silkworth, he's worked with thousands and thousands and thousands of alcoholics, but he saw that only about 10% of those he treated is what he called the hopeless variety. That 10% that had, as we're going to learn in here, the, the allergy of the body and the, alcohol, um, the mental twist. That is who AA is written for, and that is who OA is written for. So what does it mean? What are we going to learn? Do we have the allergy? The allergy is a permanent condition. I cannot reasonably predict what's going to happen when I ingest certain foods, ingredients, and engage in certain behaviors. And the treatment for that is 100% abstinence. That is a permanent, permanent solution. I can never go back to those foods. And the second part is that mental twist. That's also a permanent condition. My mind is wired differently than those who are not alcoholic. And my mind will always convince me to go back to that first bite of that allergy, which is going to make me binge. And the treatment for that is the 12 steps. And that's a daily practice. So if I'm hearing people of that 90%, people who abstain till maybe they get to maintenance weight or they feel emotionally stable or maybe they do the steps to a certain extent and they say they can go back to those foods, back to those ingredients and back to those behaviors, they are not of the hopeless variety. They're not of that 10% if they can go back and eat those foods with impunity. And there are those who come into OA, they get a food plan, they use some tools. They talk about their feelings. They use the amazing and wonderful support of the rooms. And they're happy, joyous, and free not eating, but they don't have to do step work. They're not part of that 10%. So the question we need to ask ourselves as we're going through this chapter is, am I part of that 10%? Because you're going to hear a lot of people from the 90% in these rooms. No one in OA ever tried to hurt me. But what I realized after reading this chapter is I was trying to find pe- to follow people who were part of the 90% who had a solution that wasn't for the treatment for allergy of the body and the mental twist. And if you are part of that, nine, that 10%, you need to seek out the people in the rooms who are that 10%, who've had a spiritual awakening in the same way that you sought out the binge foods that you did on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim G. Nessa R. Followed by by Vasa O. Hi, good morning, Vision for you. Um, this is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So the phrase that always speaks to me um, is at the beginning of the doctor's opinion, um, and it's a plan of recovery, uh, as opposed to or as distinct from. Uh, plan of abstinence. Um, I, I came into the rooms um, January 3rd, 2003. Um, one of those people who flocked to whatever diet methods there were after um, the binge of, of, of New Year's. And by that time, I had already tried just about everything else except for um, surgical intervention. So this was what was left. And I came into the rooms, and for the next nine years, I practiced a plan of abstinence. Um, I, I went to meetings. I had a food plan. I went to meetings. I made phone calls. I wrote in my journal. 
Um, I read all the, you know, the daily readers for today, whatever. Um, I had a checklist body. Um, you know, I did have a sponsor. Um, but what I didn't have was abstinence um, because all those things didn't work. Um, I hopped from meeting to meeting, hoping that uh, the next meeting would give me the magic answer. Um, and all the while, I continued to fight the food. You know, it was, it was a fight because I still wanted the food, and I didn't understand why. Um, I went to meetings that read the big book, but none of these meetings read the doctor's opinion. And um, when we did read the big book, we read, um, we went around a circle. Everybody would read, you know, a paragraph or whatever for 10 minutes, and then everybody would share and invariably what was shared was not what, about what we just read. We, read. we shared about, you know, what was wrong with our lives and why we had to eat. And, you know, for those nine years, I was so restless, irritable, and discontented because not only I had my life problems to deal with, but I also now um, was um, a lot of the time, not all the time, abstinent, so I had no relief. Um, you know, it wasn't until... I came into contact with somebody in whom the program, uh, problem had been solved, in whom, who, had, who had risen above her problems, um, that I was introduced to the doctor's opinion. And then I learned about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. Until then, I had no idea how crucial it was to be entirely 100% abstinent every single day in order to arrest the allergy of the body and um, the crucial importance of working the steps exactly as outlined in the big book in order to arrest the obsession of the mind which kept driving me to the food, which kept the fight alive in me. And, you know, um, that was over seven years ago, and now I have no desire to compulsively overeat. My life is still the same. You know, I still have challenges. I still have issues. And some of them are even the same challenges. Thank you. But now I have no desire to eat. And when I have no desire, then I don't have to fight the food anymore. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Nessa R. Vasa O, followed by Melissa C. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service, Rebecca and Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader, calling from Florida. And... This letter was written, written personally from me when I read it. I was really so shocked to read it and to apply it to myself, you know. And I had heard that alcoholism was a disease, you know, but I still didn't really understand that somehow I thought the alcoholic should put the alcohol down by their own willpower, but I never thought about the food, doing the same thing with the food. I mean, it was just shocking. And then I started having more compassion about the alcoholic and other people that have diseases that, you know, because I couldn't put it down by myself. It's not like I didn't try to put the food down for many, many, many years. It just did not work. And uh, I was one of the, the hopeless. I was powerless. And I remember saying it. You know, it's live or die, and I had I have seen my family suffer with the the uh, the disease of uh, compulsive overeating, 
alcoholism and drugs, you know. And um, five of my members are gone, early probably age because of their addiction. And it's just my brother and I left. And my brother, you know, my youngest brother, and he's into it. And he doesn't want it, you know. And there's nothing I can do. I'm powerless. But anyways, um, yeah, I wanted to be one of the 10% people that recovered because I didn't want to die. I would be probably dead today. I would be probably a very, very sick woman. But I was so grateful to find out what the problem was. I knew there was something wrong with me, but I didn't know what the problem was. And I just knew I loved to eat. I didn't know anything about the allergy. I didn't know anything about the mental obsession, the way it's explained here. So I was just so grateful gradually to understand, you know, what's going on, what these people are talking about. But I needed to put the 100% of food down, down my allergic foods. And that was, I never, I said, how am I going to live for the rest of my life without this food that I really love and I enjoyed? And, uh, I, you know, it was one day at a time, one meal at a time, going to the uh, with gray and the withdrawals and and uh, it's by the grace of God, 33 years I haven't died. I've gained so much more by doing what this, the steps are, um, by following the steps the way they're laid in this big book. Thank you for letting me share. And I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Melissa C. Hi, good morning, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, just so happy, like, first of all, happy New Year to everybody. And I'm just thrilled this morning. There's no resolution in me. There is, um, you know, I'm not waking up like scores of other people full of um, empty promises um, that I'm going to somehow get it together this year, that I'm going to recreate myself as a new person. Um, You know, and and largely it's because of this letter, you know, this doctor's opinion that I don't need to do that today. Um, Those days are hopefully behind me, you know. Um, And right in that first paragraph, just that line, you know, witnessed our return to health. Um, That's why why we're here. That's why I'm here, that... um, I have witnessed my own return to health and, um, you know, and that the letter, I I was taught, you know, where it says to whom it may concern, that I could cross that out and write next to it, dear Melissa, because this letter concerns me. And and if this letter concerns you, that's, I think that's um, useful advice, you know, write your name next to it. I was not offered this opinion from my doctor. You know, for me, I was I was offered um, other methods, which, you know, read down into the letter, which failed completely. And I thought that that meant I failed completely. You know, I didn't realize that those other methods could not treat what it is I had. It was not um, not enough of a solution for what I suffered from. You know. And and so that that led me to feel a lot of shame. It kept me from going back to the doctor. You know, it had the doctor even been able to 
offer me this. I wasn't going to the doctor often enough for him to really engage in a, in a meaningful conversation with me. You know, but I, I can tell you that I had good earning capacity. I was, you know, I was able to continue to pay my mortgage, get my kids on the bus in the morning, somehow muscle my way through the day, and yet I'm hopeless, you know, um, because that's really what I suffer from, extreme hopelessness. Um, yeah, and I suffered from obesity, and my life was growing narrower and narrower, and I accepted this minimizing of my life, you know, Um but what's re- crucially important is how we spread and carry this message and that this is part, and I love that, is this is part of the rehabilitation. It's not like, oh, at the end, if you're among the elite few that get it, then maybe you can feel like doing that work. This isn't a choice. You know, the carrying the message is how we remain, how I remain recovered, and it's how I live recovered each day and and i think we have to tell people right from the beginning that's what we need to do and um thank you with that i'll pass thanks melissa c um we read from the top of xxv to the top of xxvi and um who else would like to share on what we read today jack hey, yeah. jen jen a P. Kelly, Jennifer okay. W. I think I heard Lisa Barbara. B. Okay. Barbara. And I think I heard Jen A. And I heard Barbara, Barbara Kelly E. Kelly F. And Kelly S. And Reva P. Reva P. And I think we have to stop there. So Lisa B. Jen A. Barbara E. Kelly S. And Reva P. Lisa B. Please go ahead. I was going to say, it's one of the first years. The was first there a Lisa B? Maybe I didn't hear a Lisa B. Jackie. Okay. Uh, what was it? Jackie B. Jackie B. Go right ahead. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jackie B. from the Bronx. Thank you so much. Happy New Year to everyone. Um, I am so grateful today for my recovery today. Um, I know I'm the hopeless kind. Um, it, you know, it's just that it took me a long time to understand and absorb and be willing to say that no matter what, I have this disease of the allergy that if I ingest certain foods, it is going to trigger off a chain reaction that's going to make me continue to obsess and be self-centered and try to control, try to manipulate, try to be everything that today I am not. Today I abstain from those ingredients of any form, any shape, any way, any connection so that it leaves me free and clear mentally to be a person in this recovery that has integrity, has willingness to go to any lengths, and the ability to share my experience, strength, and hope. Because that's all I can offer anybody. I can only guide and show other people how I have my recovery by sharing all of my history, 
all of my trying to control and find a better way. I've been in this program for over 26 years. I am recovered today, honestly, openly, 28 months of clear, concise willingness to be bigger than just Jackie from the Bronx. I do the steps every single day. I um, serve, uh, do service every single day in some shape, way, or form. I, it does. It can be the slightest little thing, but and I also appreciate the world, not only the people in recovery, but outside. Today, I can tell somebody, I am grateful that you are here today. I couldn't say that before because I used to say it just so that they could say it back to me. I don't worry what other people think and say about me today. Yeah, I get a twinge. I won't lie. But I know that my purpose on earth today is as long as I abstain from those foods that are going to trigger my allergy, I have clear mind and body to share and to give. So wherever you are in your recovery, keep going. And if you're not and you're scared, be scared, but be willing to give it up. Give up those foods because the clarity, the tick, tick, tick is out of your mind. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jackie B. Jen A., Good morning. This is Jen A. Recovered in Colorado. Oh, wow. The doctor's opinion. So when you sit across from your sponsor like I did and you're reading this book and his book's open and your book's open as well, um, do a little thing for me right now. Take your book and turn it upside down. And you see that letter, that giant letter, it's an M upside down. That's what I could see. I could see me. And what my sponsor read to me was a capital W and that was a we. So today, right, out with the old, in with the new, it's a new year, out with me, in with we. That's how this book begins and starts. This is the medical estimate. This is the doctor who's going to tell me what's wrong with me. I don't know about people on this line, but I spent thousands of dollars on blood tests and medical tests in doctor's office trying to figure out what was wrong with me. I wanted to find a cure. I wanted to find a solution that would tell me why when I ate, I was a mess, why I was always fat and overweight my whole life. Um, that's, what, that's what I wanted to find out from those doctors. Um, it wasn't until I came in and picked up this book and read face-to-face, line-by-line with my sponsor, that I began to see everything I was looking for was on these pages in black and white. Wow, how freaking cool is that? Um, you know, it, it, it gives me three promises on this first page. And um, I tell my sponsees, grab a pink highlighter and highlight with pink because the promises are from, from, from the heart, right? And the first one is that W-E, we, that's a promise. Why? Because I am never, ever, ever going to be alone again, whether it's with another compulsive overeater or with it, whether it's with my, my higher power. I'm never going to be alone again. The second one is in that first paragraph, people return to health. Are you kidding me? Like you're telling me I'm going to be healthy again? I've spent thousands of dollars. And this book that cost me, what, $11.95 is going to get me well? Okay, I'm going to stick with it and see what happens. 
And then in the next um, section down, it says, this man and over 100 others appear to have recovered. Recovered. That's what I get to say today. Thank you, God, that I am recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, that I can drive down a mountain with my 16-year-old son in a, in a snowstorm yesterday, and that I'm recovered, and that I'm not yelling and belittling and berating him 24-7, right? That I'm able to sit there like he calls me Mama Gandhi today, not the mommy monster. So I'm so thankful that there's these three promises. I'm so thankful that there's this fellowship, and I'm so glad that this doctor stuck his neck out on the line for me, and he stuck it out on the line for you too. Happy New Year, and I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. Barbara E. Followed by Kelly S. Barbara? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I heard you say Kelly S. I must have been dozing. Happy New Year, everyone, and and congratulations to Team January. I look forward to finding out who's going to be on the other days. Um, This is a really amazing, brave statement that this doctor made. And it's it's really, really a miracle that Roland got to Dr. Jung and then from Jung to Abby to Bill to Bob to um, to uh, Bob Dotson or Bill Dotson and how Rockefeller came in. But for me, to keep it real for me, I am not an alcoholic. I'm a compulsive volume eater. Went out last night for New Year's. My husband ate half his dinner and said, he's full. My son, who's morbidly obese, ate half his dinner and said he was full. I wasn't full. I picked everything off the menu that was appropriate for my menu, and I ate every last bit of it. And then I came home, and I had what I had committed for when I got home, which is part of my daily routine. I was trying to explain to my husband last night, I am never hungry, but I'm never full. I am a compulsive overeater. And yes, I am that compulsive overeater who can be the kamikaze pilot of dieting and lose all the weight. But then immediately upon losing it, I start gaining it back with not a moment between hundreds of pounds, nine times, leaving my children alone in the car uh, to go down to the center to get food, driving erratically in order to pick food up off the floor of the car, eating food out of the garbage. I am a critical level compulsive overeater, and I know it. It's killing me. So it was of great importance for me to learn No, I'm not an alcoholic, but I do have a disease of the mind and an allergy of the body. And when I start eating, I don't want to stop. And there are certain substances that can cause me to want to continue eating. And there are certain substances that you would never pick up, like Brussels sprouts. I can overdose on Brussels sprouts. I can overdose on Escarole. I can overdose on Exlax, which provides for a shitty day the next day, so I don't advise it. 
I am compulsive. And if you're new or struggling, I know what you're going through. I crawled into OA 21 years ago on my belly, desperate. I've been to Weight Watchers, Diet Center, Optifast. Sure, they've done it for me. But I couldn't stay abstinent for more than a day. Oh, and the perfect timing, too. I wish you well. I wish you joy, abstinence, serenity in the new year. I pass. Thanks, Barbara E. Kelly S. Hey, Rebecca, thanks for your service. It's Kelly S. Recovered in Oklahoma. Um, So glad we're starting with this chapter. This is a turning point for me. Um, I know I've shared, I've been in this program 36 years and I'm coming up on three years of recovered abstinence. Um, And why is that? Because I finally um, understood this doctor's opinion. You know, I've read this big book, never uh, never accepted my true um, condition, that I was the real alcoholic. I'm the real compulsive overeater. You know, I've been in these rooms and other people had shared and before too, and I just never got that. And so I just wanted to share something here that was a turning point for me this time when I started my recovery. Um, I'm a medical provider. I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm a medical provider. And when I was reading this, um, I had gone back to school to become one of those <laughs> and, uh, in this last uh, 10 years. And so I'm reading this, you know, when I started on my journey a few years ago, and when I read that this doctor um, diagnosed Bill as hopeless, I'm going to tell you as a provider, that's a big freaking deal. You don't do that lightly. And so when you put a diagnosis on somebody, it's on them forever, really. I mean, seriously, it's a big deal. And so I'm sitting here in my ego thinking, you know, I'm hopeless. I've been around this room for 30-something years. This program doesn't work for me. I've done it. Of course, I hadn't really followed the instructions as lined out in the big book. But I'm sitting here reading this thinking I'm hopeless, right? And all of a sudden, I, I had this humility to realize, who am I? This doctor diagnosed Bill, which is a big freaking deal now that I know what I know in the medical field, as hopeless. And Bill, with the help of this program, was able to recover that was huge when I had to get out of my ego, have humility. I am no worse, no better. I'm no sicker. And if Bill W., who was diagnosed as hopeless by somebody in this profession with the help of these steps in this higher power, was able to recover, then there was finally, I realized, hope for me and finally understood that we were seemingly or I'm seemingly hopeless, right? And then what does it say in this paragraph? You know, there's one of the musts. I always thought this program was just suggested, right? There are several musts in this program. And it says in this paragraph, how does this work? Part of it is, you know, we, part of the rehabilitation is we commence to present this conception to other compulsive eaters. It was a must, right? So what does that mean? I have to talk to other people who have my disease, who are the real alcoholic, and tell them, put the food down 100%. You cannot work this program a little bit drunk. I can't. Okay, that's what the doctor's opinion is telling me, and start working these steps, get close to God, and huge, huge, it is a we program. And with that, today, I have almost four years of recovered abstinence for the first time in 36 years. Thank you, God, and thank you, Vision, for you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Kelly S. Reva P., I'm sorry we've run out of time. I hope you can stay on and share in the second hour. Um, I guess I calculated wrong. 
Thank you to every everyone for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Tuesday, January 1st, 2019, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 12365. That's 12365. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sally P. please read, A Vision for You, Our Book is Meant to Be Suggestive Only, to the end of the page. Certainly, and with great honor, I read this. Happy New Year, everybody. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 